Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Calvary Chapel, Sydney. Uh, Pastor Ben is away at Camp Kidron this week, um, so obviously he's not here. Um, but pray for him. It should be a, a good week. It's always a busy week when he's got to take, uh, you know, all the teaching through that, but it's pretty good. Um, so today we're going to have uh, uh, Martin Hanna come up and speak. Martin's been um, in the church for a bit of time here, and Ben felt uh, he wanted to give uh, Martin the opportunity to come up and speak, and Martin's uh, got some ministry experience. He's got uh, uh, youth ministry experience, and, and Martin will tell you a little bit more about himself as he comes up before he um, you know, gets through the scriptures and stuff like that. Um, everything in regards to the usual active ministries are on hold due to New Year's and everything else, and I think we all need a break. From, I, I know I do. So, um, but, uh, so what, what I might do is just uh, hand it over to Martin. Martin can come up, and uh, uh, Martin, I'll, you can lead us in, in a morning prayer, and then you can get into what you need to do. So come on up, and uh, yeah, that's about it. So, okay, over to you, Martin. Good morning. Is that loud? Okay, cool. I know how Pastor Ben feels now because everyone sits at the back. It feels like you guys are so far away. <laughs> All right, we'll start in prayer and I'll share a bit about myself and then we'll get into the sermon, into the message. Lord God, we pray for your blessings. We pray for the, we pray for the truth to be among us, Lord God. We want to please you. That is our lifelong desire. We want to run that race, Lord God, so we can hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Even though we live for today, Lord God, but you called us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to fix our eyes on heaven and eternity which is why today we are here, Lord God. We want to be challenged by your word. We want to be edified, Lord God, and we want to grow in your word. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Martin, and I've met some of you guys. I haven't met everyone, and I really hope to meet everyone because we are going to spend eternity with each other. So it's very important for us to get to know each other now. Right? Sometimes you get to meet some people in the church and you're like, mm, it seems a bit weird. I really don't want to meet him. I'll, I'll be happy to wait and meet him in, in heaven, but maybe not in this lifetime. But um, I really hope to get to meet every one of you. I became a Christian at the age of 17 um, by a guy called Mark. Obviously, he's not my savior, but he's the one that introduced me to the Lord. Um, and then at the age of 18, I had a hunger to teach the Word of God. That was something that I was really intrigued with. And I thought, maybe this is like a hobby. Maybe this is something that is my desire. But is it God's calling in my life? You know, because when I was, before I became a Christian, I was a very shy person. You know, my wife is smiling there. I was a very shy person. I couldn't really speak to anyone. So if you would come and approach me and come and start a conversation with me, I'll, all I'm going to say is, yeah, I'm good, thanks, and I'll walk away. That's how bad my social skills were. So when I found out that my calling was to preach and teach, I was like, God, 
what are you doing to me? I know you have a sense of humor. I, I do believe God has a sense of humor, but this is crazy. You're telling me to stand in front of people and preach the word of God, something that is opposite to who I am. But then that's what God does. He changes people, you know, and he molds them to what he wants them to be, not what we want to be in our lives. So after that, I had an opportunity to teach and preach in the local church that I was in, that I, was, um, that I received the gospel, and they were happy to use me there. And I grew into youth ministry and then became a pastor eventually. Did that for a few years, and then God called us on the mission field. We did some work in Africa, we did some work in South America, but we spent a lot of time in Asia, which was our most recent trip in Taiwan. That's where we spent almost a year and a half, you know, and God did so much amazing things. I would love to share a lot of stories about that. But what God has put in my heart today to share with you is something different. And I believe this is something that preachers and teachers go through. You know, it's not what you desire to teach. It's not what you feel like teaching. It's what God wants you to preach and teach, which is something very important. So today's topic is about righteous anger, okay? Something that we don't really talk about today, okay? We spend a lot of time talking about God's love, God's patience, God's goodness, God's forgiveness, and that is amazing, right? What do we spend most of our time worshiping? If you notice, all of our songs are about God's love. And that's amazing. That's what we should do. We don't really worship about God's anger. We worship about God's love. And that's very important. But the reason why I believe this is so important for us today is because Christians, okay, as a church, I'm not speaking about this local church, but I'm talking about universally, we have tried to suppress some of God's emotions and try to magnify the other side of God. We try to make God as this one side of the coin. God is only loving. God is only good. God is only gracious. And that's all you need to know about God. Don't worry about the other side. You know, we've came up with this, what I call hippie Christianity, where you see this Jesus and saying, hey, dude, how are you? Peace, love, goodness, kindness. And we don't really want to talk about the other side of God. And I believe every attribute of God is so important to us. And the reason why I say that is because the way you perceive God is the way it's going to mold your relationship with Him. That's something very important for us. That's why it's very important to go back to the Word of God. And say, God, I don't want to perceive you in a certain way. I want you to show me who you are. See, this was the difference between the ancient Jews and the ancient Greeks. The ancient Greeks tried to understand God from nature. Okay, what do we have? This is what we have. Oh, so this is how God looks like. But the Jews, they depended on this ultimate revelation which came from God himself. God said, guess what? I'm going to show you who I am. This is who I am. You don't need to perceive who I am. You don't need to make guesses. 
I'm going to tell you for who I am. And I believe this is so important in today's world because we have a lot of movements in churches where they identify God as this big, loving teddy bear. You know, whenever I sin, oh, God can't wait to put his hand around me and hug me and love me and tell me that it's not my fault. It's not my problem. It's Satan's fault. You know, it's nothing to do with me because whatever I do in life, God's always going to love me. No way is God ever going to get angry with me. Tell that to a parent and see what they're going to tell you about it. So I think that's very important for us because we're dulling down this double-edged sword, this sharp word of God into this dull knife, you know. Don't worry about some of the passages because they might hurt you. They might hurt your emotions. They might offend you. They might convict you. Don't worry about them. Let's put them aside and let's focus on these loving nice verses of the Bible. And I think this is something very important for us. And that's why you get some movement. I don't know if you've heard about progressive Christianity. This movement where it speaks about God in such a way that the angry Old Testament God was in the wrong. Just imagine a human being who is a sinner, he naturally does things wrong, Claiming that God who is holy, perfect in his ways that, oh yeah, I know better than God. God is wrong. I am right. So this angry God of the Old Testament is so wrong. And then he get to learn his lessons. So when you get to the New Testament, he already knows what he did wrong. And now he's all loving. Such bizarre way of thinking about God that we have to apologize for what God did just because it doesn't make sense in today's culture. Just imagine what lengths people take to justify their beliefs or their, the way they perceive God. So I believe today is very important for us and I really hope that you get to enjoy it. I really hope so. So why do we avoid anger altogether? Because we might see it as something that is bad, that is sinful, that is what Christians should stay away from. When we see a Christian getting angry, we're like, that's not Christ-like. He sinned. He shouldn't be feeling this way or acting this way. He should be loving. Because everything that a Christian should do should be done in love. But anger and love don't contradict each other. They can work with each other. I believe that's something very important. So that's why I want to take you to our first passage in Numbers 11, verse 1 and 2. And I really wanted to start with God. Because if we can see this in God, we can also can see it in us. So if we look at Numbers chapter 11, it's also going to be on the screen, verse 1 and 2. And this is just an example of how God acts. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Okay, so God does get displeased. Uh, for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them. 
and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So does God get angry? Absolutely. But what does God get angry at? That's the difference of when God tells us not to get angry and when he himself gets angry. There's a difference on how we get angry and what we get angry on. That's what makes the difference and how the flesh takes advantage of us in our anger. So if you look at throughout the whole Bible, and I really hope that you've read the whole Bible cover to cover, it's very important for you. If you look at the whole Bible, the Bible never mentions once that God gets angry on the good, on the righteous, on the obedient. Never. You can go through the, the whole Bible. It's not like God will look at David and David would do something good and be like, I'm so angry. David, why did you do such a good thing? Never. The Bible always speaks about God's anger on the disobedient, the sinners and the wicked. That's something very important for us to notice because when we look at our own anger and what we get angry about, it kind of starts to make sense for us. We don't see, um, sorry, if you notice that not only did God get angry here, but he also acted on his anger. That's not something that we give as an advice, right? When someone's angry, we say, Friend, brother, sister, why don't you walk away, calm down, and then come back? Because the words that might come out of your mouth, the actions that might come out of you, might not be something that is Christ-like. So don't act in your anger. But here, we see something different. We see that God did act on his anger. And don't get me wrong. This is one of the best advice that we give to people to walk away, calm down and come back. But the reason why God can do it is because God does not get tempted with sin. Neither does he have a flesh like us that can take advantage of him. For us, we live in this flesh and sometimes this flesh can take advantage of our anger. So sometimes we get angry, we say certain things, and we're like, wow, why did I say that? I've got to come back and apologize. That's the difference between us and God. But what we need to understand that this anger that we have in us, it's a gift from God. This emotion that we have in us did not come because of sin. It's a gift of God in us and just like every other emotion that we have we need to train it so we can use it in a godly manner right I can say I love but then I could love another woman what do we call that we call that lust I'm married I'm, if I love another woman I'm committing adultery right so I can't use love as an excuse for lust and neither we can use anger or righteous anger in a way of having these outburst emotions that come out of us that we can't even control. 
See, when God did this in Numbers 11, he didn't go back and apologize. No. What he did was right. He was proving and sharing his justice with his own people. He was bringing judgment down on the disobedience. That's something very important for us. So with this gift, what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.26, if we go there, guys, I really hope you guys are still with me on this. Um, so Ephesians 4.26, what Paul is saying here, he's saying that, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So Paul is saying there is an opportunity to be angry, but don't let sin pollute your anger. And I believe that's something very important for us as Christians to maintain our Christ-like um, character. And James goes a bit further than that. So we've read Paul, James in James 1, 19 and 20. This is what James is saying. He's saying, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Wow. So when you look at Numbers 11, the wrath and the anger of God did produce righteousness, justice for his people. But here the anger and the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we can see two opposites, same emotions. One is holy, one is righteous, and the other is polluted with sin. And I think that's something very important for us. So when we see that, we can see that, okay, I can get angry, but I need to be very careful with it. I really don't want to hurt people with it. I really don't want it to be my everyday life thing. It's not a way of life, anger, by the way. It's God's reaction to sin. Okay, it's not a way of life. We don't wake up angry. We don't desire to be angry. We don't come to church angry. Just imagine that. People walking in with that face that they have. I'm so angry because righteous anger exists. No one's going to attend church, right? Whoever's going to come new is going to look at us and be like, whoa, what happened to these guys? I better walk away. I've got to find somewhere else to go. I thought church was a place where people can come and be comforted and loved and accepted, but not this place. Because they seem like they want to kill me, man. I, I just got to walk away from this place, which is, which is what we see in Proverbs 22. Look, look at what Proverbs say. Uh, Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, do not go. Make no friendship with an angry man. Because if we have anger to be in our everyday life, guess what? We can't build deep, real, meaningful relationships. Because everyone that will come close to us eventually will see us bursting out in our anger and us hurting them 
and they get to walk away. So as Christians, fellowship is one of the most important things for us in our faith. We can't really build fellowship if we have anger in our midst, an anger that is polluted with sin, that is in the flesh that's not coming from God. Just imagine getting a coffee and it's too hot. You get angry at the person that made you the coffee. How, how do you think that person would feel? Be like, I spent so much time and effort to make you a coffee and all you did, you weren't patient enough to wait for it to cool down and you just get angry at me. We can't build real relationship with each other if we have anger in our hearts. That's only normal. Not only that, it can also affect our testimony in Christ. Because if people want to, if people going to see you, say, for example, you're at a drive-thru or you're standing, lining up for your food and someone just accidentally comes in front of you, all of a sudden you get angry. But then you sit down five minutes later, you're talking about Jesus with your friends in that same restaurant. They're like, wait, say, guy, even Christian? You got angry at a person that stood in front of him. What kind of faith is that? So there is a big difference on what we get angry about and what God gets angry about. That's why the Bible is saying that anger can take advantage of you and you need to be very careful of that. And not only that, I'll give you a third reason for that. It really brings shame to us when sin takes advantage of our anger and not Far from that, we read Proverbs 22. I want to take you to Proverbs 25, 28. He's saying, whoever has no rule over his own spirit, no self-control, is like a city broken down without walls. Nakedness. That's what it is. A city without wall is naked. Which is why sometimes when we burst out in anger, and then we come back to our senses. We look around and everyone's looking at you like, is this person all right? You know, and you feel so ashamed. You're like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Why did I do that? Why did I say these things? Why did I, you know, raise my voice that everyone could hear me? It's so embarrassing for me. So instead of anger serving its purpose in your life, it can often destroy your testimony it can bring you to shame and you can lose the closest people around you. I've, I've dealt with a lot of marriages, especially when we went into the mission field, when we saw abuse, anger, you know, um, and so on, the list goes on. When one partner is abusing the other partner and, and they are treating them so, like, it, it's so heartbreaking to see that. And you're like, wow, something that God created that was to be one. You know, th there's nothing else that you're going to be one with. It's with God and with your own spouse. And obviously with the church, we are one body. But then that's one of the most important and closest relationship in your life. And sometimes anger can take advantage of it. You start with holding hands, loving each other, can't wait to see each other, into screaming at each other, 
10, 15 years down the line, throwing stuff at each other, and you think, where did we go wrong? Guess who has taken advantage of your relationship? Anger. It can be used wisely, and it can be so destructive. We need to be very careful of that. But when it comes to being shameful, when it comes to being a city without walls, I believe Paul hits it right on the nail as a good advice for us to have. In Romans 13, 14, this is what Paul encourages the believers um, in Christ. This is Paul speaking. He's saying, let us walk properly as in the day. Um, no, sorry, uh, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last. Do I feel ashamed because of my anger? Do I feel like I can't hold myself? I don't have any control? Paul is saying, guess what? If you feel ashamed, if you feel like this city without walls, there's no control in your life, you can put on Jesus. That's what we, if this person who's naked, you're like, first impression, first thing you want to do is like, all right, here's something, man. Put on something, right? Cover yourself. Cover your shame. And that's what Paul is telling us here. Cover yourself. Don't let the flesh take advantage of you. And obviously here he's not dealing with anger specifically. But this is one of the things that we can apply it to of our anger. Saying, God, I feel like the enemy is just coming in and out whenever he pleases. Right? He's like, oh, look at this modern guy. Can't even control himself. He's a city without wall. I can come anytime and change his mood. He wakes up, I'm going to make him angry because that's going to ruin the rest of his day. No one would want to talk to him, let alone him preaching the gospel. Easy. I've won this person over. He could go to church, raise up his hands, worship as loud as he wants, sit down on that and listen to the, to the word and say, Amen, Amen, Amen. But guess what? I'm in control of this person's life from Monday to Saturday. He wants to play the Christian, the kind, the good Christian. That's okay. It's okay by me. I've got him for the rest of the week. And that's what a lot of people do. They come into the church. They are so calm. They're so gentle. But go visit them at their own household. Go see them at work. I'm telling you, they don't look any different than anybody else unfortunately. But we are responsible for ourselves and we need to take very important uh, precautions on, on how we deal with our anger. I believe this is important. So if we're going to put Jesus, if we're going to cover ourselves with Jesus, let's see if Jesus ever got angry. As I spoke in the, uh, in the beginning of the message, I said, sometimes we, we look at sometimes people perceive Jesus to be this loving teddy bear guy, this hippie Jesus where it's all about love, 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 love. Let's see if Jesus ever got angry. And I know you guys thinking, well, I know where this is going. I know the passage is going to. And let's go to Matthew 21. This is when Jesus goes into the temple. But there's something very unique when Jesus gets angry. And we're going to get to that. 
We're going to read from verse 12 to 14. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money, changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus, I know it doesn't mention the word anger, but I don't think Jesus was walking in smiling, dancing and saying, and just flipping everything, um, you know, away. No, he was angry. But there is a difference in how Jesus does it. He didn't curse. He preached. He spoke the word of God. He says, it is written. For us, when we get angry, we don't get it is written in the Bible unless it kind of, you know, supports us, right? We use the Bible to support us. We don't get it's written. We say, you did this, you did that. And then the language goes further. And some of us, we might say, well, I don't curse. Trust me, we, we know how to break someone apart without using curse words. We're good at it. He didn't shed any blood. He didn't say, this is my house. I am the Lord in the flesh and I can destroy every single one here. He showed love and mercy. So that's why when people say it is not loving to be angry, say, no, you can love and be angry at the same time. We can do it. You know why I say that? Because I mentioned verse 14. We don't pay enough attention to verse 14. What does verse 14 say again? Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. See, there was two groups of people. You've got the blind and the lame and you've got those who were selling in the temple. They both saw the same Jesus. They both saw the same angry Jesus. But some were drawn to him, others not. They ran away. So we can do that in our lives. We can see God do the same thing every single day. What we see in Numbers 11 didn't just happen in the, in the past and it doesn't happen today. No, it actually happens every day. Look at Psalm 7, 11 to 13. This is a pretty famous passage. If you haven't heard of the sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, I recommend you listening to it at least once. It's a very famous sermon. Um, so Psalm 7, 11 to 13. God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. Oh, okay, every day. If he does not turn his back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his arrow, uh, sorry, his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shadows, uh, shafts. Sorry. God does that every single day. God is angry with the wicked every single day. But guess what? God is also patient with the wicked every day. God is also gracious with the wicked every day. God is also stretching out his hand every single day. 
calling out his own enemies, which he is angry with to say, hey, I want to offer you love. I want to share with you forgiveness. I sent my son not to continue in my anger so I can love you now. And we can see that an example in Peter, in, uh, in 2 Peter 3, 9. Um, this is one of the very important passages for us in our lives. Um, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some account slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that we all should come to repentance. God does that every single day with us and with others, saying, come, I offer you life. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you peace. That's what I want to share with you. I have my anger and my anger is there because I am a just judge. I get angry at sin because sin breaks my laws. Sin goes against my own nature. I believe that's something very important for us. So what is our conclusion today? Um, hopefully you didn't lose your appetite for lunch. But what is our conclusion for today? Our conclusion is that God, uh, sorry, anger is given to us by God. It's a gift. We can use it in our lives. It is necessary in our lives, but it's not something that we desire. We don't desire to be angry. But there comes times where anger is needed in our lives. Some people, because they only see one side of us, it's always love being gracious, love being gracious, that they don't take you seriously. Like, it's just, there's no difference between a Christian and a hippie. That's all it is. And I've heard so many even atheists say that. Oh, I just look at Christianity as a bunch of hippies. They just believe in Jesus. We portray it to be this weak God, always yielding to us. He's always reshaping himself just so he can love us. It doesn't work this way. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes in his holiness. It's the same standard. We need to change. So I believe that's something very important for us. It requires a lot of spiritual maturity. When we first became Christians, the way you got angry before and the way now you're getting angry is different. It's all different now. It's no longer the same. It requires a lot of maturity. I believe that. Or else the flesh will take advantage of you. Anger shouldn't be in your everyday life as we spoke about. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Have you noticed in Galatians 6, those fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, goodness, patience, and so on, there's no anger in it. Even though it's an attribute of God, anger, but it's not part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that we wake up every day and say, how can I improve my anger? How can I get more angry, you know? How can I show people that I am an angry person? No, it's, it's not that. But we do wake up every day and say, how can I improve on my love? How can I show people my love? 
How can I be kind with people? That's why he says later on that against such these things, which he's speaking about the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. There is no law. There's nothing that condemns it for us. And the final thing I want to say is that this topic, it's easy to talk about. And I've mentioned a bit of humor, as you can see. You've, I can see your face, you smile, some of you, some of you giggled. Um, because it's easy to talk about, right? It's easy to make a Bible studies about anger. It's easy to preach about anger. It's easy to be within these four walls talking to each other about anger about anger, but the real test comes in the heat of the moment. That's what makes a difference in your life. It's not about how much you know about anger, which is good, don't get me wrong. It's, it's very good insights to know what the Bible speaks about anger, but when it comes to obedience, that's so important for us. That makes the difference, you know. I've met a lot of pastors, preachers, very famous Christian leaders. You look at them on the pulpit, look like an angel, smiles, so gracious. But then when you get into their lives, into their personal lives, you see where did that angry person come from? You know, there's two sides of those persons. And we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be a person that comes to church puts on a mask and saying, hi, I'm this good Christian guy or good Christian girl. You know, I'm, you know, I'm so gracious. You, you, you should talk to my friends. Don't talk to my wife. She knows a bit too much. But talk to the rest, you know. Talk to the people that don't know me too well because I'm always kind to them. No, we really need to control ourselves in the heat of the moment. We need to look at what we saw in Numbers 11. And I've just preached about verse 1. I didn't even get the chance to preach about verse 2. Verse 2, we can see that the people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to God. God stopped his anger. We, are, we haven't even spoken about that. There is a time where we can get angry. There's a time where we need to control our anger. There, there's moments where I've been and I've seen people do some very crazy stuff. And I'm like, God, why am I not angry? This is so filthy. This is so bad. But then sometimes God's like, this is not the right emotion I want you to feel about this person. This person doesn't need anger. This person needs love, comfort, you know, needs someone to encourage them. But there's other times where God's like, you know what? The person I'm sending you today is one of my spoiled kids that thinks everything is good for them no matter what they do. I want you to give them some tough love. That's what we call that today. We don't call it anger, we call it tough love. So you could decide and say, you know what, this is not for me today. This whole sermon is not for me. But unfortunately, you will get angry down the line. It's bound to happen. What I'm encouraging you to do is to do it in a righteous and godly way. To do it being led by God, not being led by your flesh. Don't let the flesh take advantage of you. Always be in control of yourself. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to know you more throughout your scripture. 
We want to know who you are, not the way we perceive you to be. But Lord, we are also called to be Christ-like. We need to live like Jesus. We see that we can be angry, but we don't want it to be polluted with sin. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Do our best to be kind, gracious and loving to people. But when it's needed, Lord God, we want to be doing it in your way. What comes out of us needs to be righteous anger, not anger that will break our fellowship, not anger that would bring us to shame, not anger that would make us grow in you. I pray, Lord, that we become more and more like Jesus, whether in our anger or in our love. We want to become more like Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you've challenged us today. You've opened our hearts, made us see our weaknesses, made us see where we fall short and say, I might have this issue. This might be a weakness in my life. Lord, I give that to you. I don't want to be known as this angry person. I don't want to lose my brothers and sisters over, Lord God. No, I want us to get closer to each other. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.